Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey, you guys, grab your Bibles, grab your Bible apps this morning. You can go ahead and jump over to Deuteronomy chapter 5 if you would like. We're going to be there in a little while. But this morning, I want to preach what is really the second part of what I preached. Uh, it was two weeks ago, um, God still blesses. And, and I just want to share with you this morning uh, some truths uh, that just go a little bit deeper in that. And... Uh, I was on vacation last week, so it has thrown my whole routine off. That's what happens. You all know, coming back from vacation, exactly how that works. Um, so if uh, you give me just a little bit of grace in a second here, I've got to find my notes. Otherwise, I may have to go and preach off of your notes. Deuteronomy chapter 5, God still blesses. What I shared with you uh, two weeks ago was this, that God, God in this world today, He still does bless People, but not just people. God still blesses people. He blesses cities. He blesses communities. He blesses states. He blesses nations. God still does that. And that blessing looks like, see if anybody's for this, prosperity and abundance. Anybody with me on this? What does God's blessings look like? It looks like prosperity and abundance. You don't believe me? Read the Bible. It's incredible the good stuff that's in there. Read the Bible. God's blessings look like prosperity and abundance. I'm not telling you you're going to go out and buy three Cadillacs. I'm not telling you you're going to be able to go out and buy one Cadillac. I'm not telling you you're going to have 20 big screen TVs. I'm not telling you that, but I'm telling you when you choose to walk in covenant with God, you will always be better off, more blessed than if you don't. But his blessings, it, it can't be made cheap and it can't be just made about, hey, I get a nicer truck or I get a nicer car, I have a nicer home. Prosperity and abundance, absolutely that's true. But God's blessings go so much deeper than that. It goes to the extent of health. God blesses us with health. God blesses us with relationships. You show me a family, that a, a husband and a wife that are truly walking in a godly marriage, and I will show you a couple, a man and a wife, that are truly walking in a happy, healthy relationship. Am I telling you that you'll never fight? No. I, I mean, come on, let's be real. If you never fight, you never get to make up. Right? There is a silver lining in everything if you look hard enough. But I am telling you that you will learn to fight in a way. Did you know you can fight in a way that's healthy? Did you know that? It doesn't involve fists, if that's where you think this is going. No, never. But you can have disagreements. You can have different perspectives. You can work through things and come out on the other side stronger, not weaker. That comes from choosing to walk in covenant with God. God still blesses. God blesses relationships, marriages, families. God blesses by giving us joy. Now listen, you say, Pastor Barry, I'm waiting for that day where I have no more problems and it's all good and, 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 and it's sunshine every day. And listen, that day will come. It's called eternity. This side... You're going to have storms. But can I tell you something this morning? Just because you have a storm doesn't mean you have to lose your joy. 
That's the power of walking in covenant relationship with God. This is part of his blessing that, yes, storms still come. Yes, hard times still come. Yes, there are still moments where I'm in the valley, but even in the storm, in the hard time, in the valley, God still blesses his people with joy and with peace and with purpose. It's interesting to hit a place in life where you've lived enough life to look back across some decades because there comes a place, at least in my experience, where I begin to look back across the decades and I look at those places back there which if you would have asked me when I was in the middle of it if it was good or helpful or fun or productive, well, it wasn't fun, but I'm going to tell you, looking back across the decades, some of the most productive times in my life were some of the hardest times in my life. Some of the times in my life, looking back through it, that are the most value and the mo- valuable and the most cherished in my life were some of the times where I was going through some of the deepest, darkest, hardest times. I, li- listen, I, we've, we've got a large enough group sitting here this morning in, in difference in age. Some of you have kids, some of you don't have kids, some of you have adult kids, some of you have teen kids, some of you have kid kids. Raising kids is not always fun. I, I know you came to church for that revelation, right? <laughs> but take it as the guy that's 54 who has two grown sons and now looking at grandkids. Oh, man, those were, there were some hard times in that. But now looking back on them, some of the most cherished times. God still blesses. God still blesses. He blesses because, folks, he can do nothing else. Because he's in this thing called covenant with us. God's in covenant with us. What what, what does this covenant mean? And and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I want to go to the other side of the covenant. Let me just talk here for a minute about God's God's guarantee. How many like a guarantee? I I love it when I go buy a vehicle and they give me a guarantee. Now, I'm old enough to realize that probably that guarantee doesn't really mean anything because there's always fine print, right? But it just makes me feel good to see it, right? Um, We all like a guarantee. What is God's guarantee when it comes to covenant? Some people, there are preachers that will tell you that God's prosperity preachers that preach out there on the fringe that, listen, the Cadillac, the big screen TV, the big house, the the million dollar mansion, if you just have the faith I have, if you just had the faith I had, if you just love God the way I love God, you'd be flying around in your own private jet as well. Can I tell you, that's just a messed up gospel. Let me tell you God's guarantee. God's guarantee isn't that you're going to have a, a million dollar jet. But God's guarantee is this. It, it is that as you walk in covenant with God, your life will absolutely rise to a higher level than it ever would rise without walking in covenant with God. Some people want to tell you that if you walk in covenant with God, you could just almost bank it 10% a year. Your marriage is going to get 10% better every year. Your kids are going to get 10% sweeter every year. Your bank account's going to get 10% better. I mean, I, I would sign up for that. But that's not very biblical. But what the Bible does tell us that those that walk in covenant with God, they will be blessed. And, and listen, how God blesses you and how much God blesses you, it, I, I hate to say this to you, but in a lot of ways, it actually depends. It depends on a lot of other people around you. you say, Pastor Barry, what do, what do you mean? Well, God not only blesses people, he blesses families. God not only blesses families, he blesses states and nations. He not only blesses states and nations, he, he blesses entire ethnic groups, or, or, or just, we'll just say people, peoples. Um, if you're an individual, now, now hear me on this. this, this you, you, we, we need to understand this. If, if you are a person 
who's, been, who's part of a family that's been walking in covenant with God for generations, your blessing may be greater, it may come faster, it may go higher than the person that's first generation walking in covenant with God. It compounds on itself. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Barry? Well, let me put it this way. If you're the first generation that's walked with God, that's walked in covenant with God, and you begin to see God's blessing on your life, your business thrives, your family's strong, your marriage holds together, and, it's, and you look back across your family tree and realize that you're the first one that that's happened, that's blessing, right? That, that's blessing. That's good things. But, but here's the thing. Your kids, your kids are going to prosper because of the choices you made. Your, your kids, you, you know, one of the, one of the greatest de- de- determinations of whether an individual will stay married or not stay married is whether their parents stayed married or didn't stay married. That, that's a big factor in it. Not the only factor, and I'm not saying if your parents weren't, didn't stay married, you're going to have to go through divorce. I'm not saying that at all, but it's a big factor. And look at your kids, which I don't know about you all. I kind of love my kids. Sometimes I don't like them so much, but I kind of love my kids. I want, it, it does not upset me. It does not offend me. It does not make me angry to think my kids are going to be blessed in a greater way than, I'm going, than, than I will be blessed. And, and if you happen to be old enough to get to the place where you have the grandkids, and some of you do, man, that's when it really gets fun. Because you can let mom and dad be the disciplinarians. You know, you poured your life and your pain and your blood into the kids. Now you can pour your fun and your life and, and sometimes your money too into the grandkids and let mom and dad bleed for a while. You know what they call that? Therapy. <laughs> Therapy. You see, it, it, how God blesses and how much God blesses does depend on other people. Listen, if you happen to be part of a, a state, or a nation that God is blessing because as a whole it's chosen to live in a way that honors and respects God, you're going to be blessed a whole lot more than the individual that's living in a state or a nation that is completely contrary to God's ways. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Bray? Well, I'll I'll just give you this illustration. If you happen to, to live in America, historically we've been a nation that respected and honored God. And God has not only blessed the individual, but he's blessed the nation. And it's easy for you to be a poor person in America or a a middle-income person in America and and be incredibly blessed because our nation's been blessed. You take the same person, the same individual, the same drive, the same ambition, the same willingness to work hard, and you pick them up out of the United States of America and you drop them in the Soviet Union of bygone years or Russia of today or China, communist China of today, and you drop them off and they put in the same energy, the same effort, the same hard work, God will bless them. I promise you, if you are walking in covenant with God in Russia or China or anywhere else, God will bless you. But the amount and the ability and and the degree that he will bless you will be limited because of the nation that you live in. You understand what I'm saying this morning? This is God's guarantee He will bless you, but the fact that God blesses you isn't a guarantee that He's going to give you the, the jet or the Cadillac. It's the guarantee that your life will be, have more joy, your marriage will be stronger, your finance will be more prosperous than it would be without Him. God still blesses. I listened to... Uh, he was a policy... Um, advisor, I guess, for Reagan. He, he does a lot. He goes on to college campuses and stirs up a lot of trouble nowadays. He's from India. Uh, 
if I said his name, you might recognize him, but it doesn't matter. But he was telling the story. He said, I came from India when I was 17 years old with $500 in my pocket. Poor immigrant. He said, I flew in to New York City, and um, he, said, I, he said, Christian man, I believe, he said, I've, God's blessed me. He said, I've got friends. I have one friend in particular that still lives in India that is, has been trying for 20 years to get his card to be able to come to America, and he's not been able to do it. And I called him one day. was in a conversation with him. He's telling the story. was in a conversation with him. And I, I asked him, I said, why do you want to come to America so bad? He said, because I want, I want to come to a nation where even the poor people are fat. what he said. Now that may sound a little impolite, but it's pretty true. You know, you can go pretty much anywhere in the world and be rich and do pretty well, right? The, the wealthy do well everywhere. You got money, you can make a lot of things happen. But America is unique because in America, you can be middle class and still have two cars in the driveway, probably four TVs hanging in the house, have a retirement plan, only in America. Right? God still blesses. And I'm going to tell you, I, I will not probably get through this message this morning. We're coming up on an election season. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you who to vote for or who not to vote for. Um, I may or may not tell you who I vote for. I, I don't know. Uh, not embarrassed by it, but don't know that it matters. But I will say this to you. When you vote, and I don't mean just on the presidential level, I mean on every level, you need to vote in a way that continues to the best of your ability, that continues to allow America to be blessed. Because you as an individual Christian may be blessed even if America isn't any longer, but I'm going to tell you the blessing will become less and less and less and less. God still blesses. God, that's God's guarantee. 10%? No, it doesn't work like that. But God still blesses. But here's the other side of this, and this is what I want to preach this morning. That, all was, that was just warm up. We're in a covenant with God. And we also have responsibilities, responsibilities to that covenant. And I spent some time on that last week. I said, Pastor Barry, terrific. I'm in a covenant with God. I get that. What are my responsibilities? And the, the best way I can broadly give it to you, I gave it to you last week, was Jesus' words in Matthew. Um, Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6 says the same thing. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You are in a covenant with God, and I'm in a covenant with God. And our covenant responsibilities are this. Love God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. Love God with everything. Here's the thing about covenant. Covenant is a little bit... There, there's a contractual piece to covenant, okay? So let me... Let me see if I can paint this picture. If you were a landlord, imagine yourself as a landlord. Maybe some of you are landlords. And you've got a, a renter. You made the horrible decision to let a family member rent from you. <laughs> if you're in that situation, forgive me. It's just life experience talking. It, 
people ask me, Pastor, would you ever go into business with family? Probably not. I'd want to like them in five years. If it works for you, that's terrific. But just imagine with me for a second um, that you're in a situation where you're a landlord and you're renting to a family member. And that family member, you, you love them. You care about them, right? Right? And you're giving them a great price on rent. Great, great rent. Not only that, they have, let's just say they're a kid or let's just say they're a grandchild because we spoil our grandkids. Pretty much that's true for everybody. So you, you, not only, you not only give them a great price on rent, you actually cover their utilities and you pay their cable bill and you, you're a really good grandparent and you cover their internet connections. And not only that, you're retired and you have a lot of time on your hands and you're like, you know what, I'll just come, I'll come and mow your grass and take care of your yard too because I love you. Anybody want to sign up for that deal? If there's any grandparents here that would like to do that, that are looking for a grandchild, I am available, (laughs) right? Now, you could call that a covenant type of relationship because it's not just built on a contract, hey, you pay me this much rent, but it's built on a love relationship, covenant. Now, what happens if they begin to default on their side of that covenant? They begin to say, Grandma, Grandpa, I just can't pay you the $200 rent that you're charging me this month. I've got to get brand new tires for my car, and I need new rims, and I need to take my girlfriend out on a date, and I just can't do it. So I'm sorry, I won't be, I won't be paying you your rent this month. What would you do? Some of you are hardcore. You'd be like, you know what? That's not a problem. Pack your stuff and hit the road. Most grandparents would be a little bit more like God, and they would extend some grace, and they would have a conversation, and they would give them a month and say, you make it up, and this isn't going to work, and a lot of patience, right? Most grandparents would probably operate that, but I'm going to tell you something. If they continue to break their side of the covenant long enough, there's going to come a day where you're going to say, you know what? I can rent this for $800 a month. I love you, but go somewhere else and I'll love you there. But I'm going to tell you what I would do. If I was in that situation before it got to that place, I, I promise you, I would, you know, the first time they came and said, Grandpa, I can't pay the, I can't pay the rent this month. I got other things like dates to take care of. I would have a real hard time going over and mowing their grass. Probably the grass would be the first thing that gets dropped. I might still allow them to live there for a little while to work through it, grow up, figure it out, but I'm not going to be cutting their grass. And about the second month that happens, I'm not going to be cutting their grass, and I'm probably going to be cutting their cable bill. You know what? If you, if you need a date, if you're going out on all those dates, you don't need cable anyway. Internet? No. Nah, you know, go to the library. God works that way with us. You know what? We, we break our side of the covenant. God doesn't just cut us off. He just doesn't say, I don't love you anymore. He continues to love us, but, but here's what I want you to get. God still blesses, but when I choose to live my life in a way that I break or I don't live up to my side of the covenant, God's going to stop cutting my grass. God's going to stop pouring out the honey on top. God's going to stop throwing the frosting on top of the cake. He's still going to love me. I'm not even telling you at that, depending on what we're talking about, that maybe the the relationship's broken. You you read the Old Testament, and it 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 is a living history of the love and the patience of God for his people. 
we're, we're not talking, it, you read through the Old Testament, we're not talking years, we're talking decades, we're talking centuries, we're talking generations. God continues to work with people, work with his people, work with Israel, and, and, but there finally comes a day where he says, enough is enough is enough, you're going to go into captivity. And I will love you there, but you're going to go into captivity. And what I want you to see this morning is this, God still blesses, and, and Pastor Barry, why are you preaching this message? Listen to me, I, as your pastor, as somebody that cares about you, I want you blessed. I want your marriage to be incredibly strong. I want your family to be incredibly blessed. I want your kids to do better than you've ever done. I want you to experience prosperity. I want you blessed. Why, why are you preaching that? Because I love you and I care about you. I want you to have the honey on top. I want you to experience the frosting on the cake. I want you to experience the goodness of God. I want, I want God to come and cut your grass on a regular basis. You understand what I'm saying this morning? I want you to have that life, but the only way that that life comes is when we choose to live and love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind. Another place talks about strength. Now, what does that look like? Anybody here ever been in love? You ever been in love? If you're sitting by your spouse, you better put your hand up. I'm just, it doesn't take, you know, 40 years of pastoral experience to tell you, get your hand up. Yeah. Ever been in love? Love's a wonderful thing. We got a problem in America. We got a distorted view of what love is. Any of you have the Hallmark Channel? How many of you like it? This isn't a trick question. You can be honest. My wife just put her hand up. Di's got hers up. Ginger's kind of playing the, you know, sort, yeah, sort of kind of maybe. The Hallmark Channel, I've I got to be honest, I've watched a chick flick or two. If you don't know what a chick flick is, it's one of those that just grabs your heart and squeezes. Nothing dirty, don't go there if you didn't know. We got this twisted view of what love is because we think love is strictly romance, it's strictly feelings. And, and I talk about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You're like, oh, Pastor Barry, I love God. I feel such love in my heart for God. Can I tell you this morning, love is a lot more than a feeling. You know, I've been in this pastoral role enough years to tell you that if you're building a marriage on love that just resides in a feeling, you're building your marriage on a pretty weak foundation. I tell people that come to me that are looking to get married, especially young, young people, Pastor Barry, I met her last week, and we're in love, and we got to get married next week. I can't live without her. I tell them, you need to wait, and you need to be in a serious relationship with them for at least 12 to 15 months. And you know what they do? They roll their eyes and say, oh, Pastor Barry, you're so old. Do you know why I say that? Because it takes 12 months to get the hormones out of your system. It takes 15 months before you can actually see them with your eyes clear. 
It's true. Say, Pastor Barry, you just make it. No, I'm telling you, it's true. People a lot smarter than me, people that have taken the time to do this. Science is a big thing right now. To actually do the science in this stuff, all right? I'm telling you, you cannot know whether you truly love them till you've been with them for 12 to 15 months. It takes 12 to 15 months to get to the place where you can actually see them for who they are. Up until then, it doesn't matter. They could have just gotten out of prison for murder. They could have been a dictator 20 years ago. They could have not had a job for 30 years. They could have no desire to work. They could still be living in their mom's basement, not getting out of their pajamas or their boxers in the morning, playing video games all day, and you're in love and your hormones are telling you they are the most incredible human being that God ever made and put on the face of the earth. And it doesn't matter who talks to you. You're not going to be persuaded otherwise, especially the young. You get a little more experience in life, a little older in life. Those things kind of slip aside a little bit. You become a little clearer-eyed a little sooner. But all of a sudden, 15 months into a relationship, when you've been married for you know, 10 months, 12 months, whatever, and you wake up one day and you roll over and you look at them, and for the first time, you see them for who they really are. A twisted, mean, lazy, living in their parents' basement, not had a job in 30 years, individual, and you're like, your head just blows up. What did I do? But, but, but get this, okay, there's a point to this. If you will stay with them for 12 or 15 months, there'll come a day where you'll go to pick them up to go on a date, and they'll get in the car, and you'll look at them and say, huh, wow, never saw that ward in your life before, but I do now. And here's where it gets real. It's in that moment, in that instant, at that time, you can decide, do I really love them or not? Because if you can look at them and see their weaknesses and see their warts and see their failures and see their... You understand what I'm saying? You can see where they're not, everything that you thought they were when their hormones were running. You can make a decision. And here's the thing. Love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Love is a choice. Love is a lot of hard work. Love is a decision that in the good times and the bad times, we stand before our our family and God and and our church and we make vows uh, for better or for worse. But usually when we are doing that, we're just really thinking for better or for worse, but I know being married to you is only going to be better. We've got this twisted idea of what love is, and people will say, Pastor Barry, I'm in great covenant relationship with God because I feel so much love in my heart for him right now. I just love him. Can I tell you that's awesome, that's great, that's not a bad thing, but if your love never goes beyond what you feel in your heart, you're really not, don't have that strong of love for God. And and this is where I want to go this morning, and I, I won't get through this, I don't think, but if you truly love God with all your soul, your heart, your mind, it's going to be beyond just, I feel so much love for God. There's going to be practical, the way I live my life, the, the way I choose, the decisions I choose to make are going to back up that love because love is a choice. I, I appreciate the Bible because it's not just about ooey-gooey feelings. It's about practical where I live, where my feet hit the ground. What does it look like? Let me just hit the first four pieces of this. Let's go to Deuteronomy if you're there. Great. Chapter 5. And let's uh, jump in to verse 7. 
I, I, I may not talk about all four this morning, but I want to talk about these first four commandments. I'm assuming you guys probably all know there's actually ten of them. But let's just look at the first four this morning and maybe just the first two today. The first one says this, you shall have no other gods before me. What does love look like? What are my covenant responsibilities in a covenant with God who I say I'm going to love with all my heart, soul, and mind? What do they actually look like? You shall have no other gods before me. If you really love God, then you're going to be in a relationship where you make a choice that you will have no other gods before me. And we, we say that, we read that, we think that. Most of you could have probably quoted that commandment to me, have no other gods before before me, before God. Let me just give you a little clarification. What does that mean? Sometimes we think the idea of have no other gods before me means have no other gods in front of me. God, God's saying to you, listen, you just need to have nothing else in your life that's more important than me. But what it really means, it, that when it talks about before me, it doesn't mean in front or, or first before me. It means in my presence. It'd be like me standing here as, as let me just be king for a minute, Okay. If I'm standing here as king and, and people come in, I could say, you know what, they're, they're just not somebody. I don't want them before me. I don't want them in my presence. I, I don't want them in opposition to me. And when it says, thou shalt have no other gods before me, what he's really saying to you is not just that you won't have any other gods in front of God, but you're going to have nothing else in your life that is going to be in opposition to God. You'll have nothing else in your life that is, that is brought into the presence of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nothing in opposition to God. So what is it in our lives that sometimes gets set up to be in opposition to God? And, and listen, you all are going to have to look into your own heart. This, this is where Pastor Barry has to step back and just present the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God. And you've got to have, have, have the, the, the willingness to look deep into your own heart and your own soul and say, God, is there really something in my life that is before you, that is, that is in opposition to you? And I just want to talk about a few things this morning that are a big deal right now, uh, but you need to think about your, the, the totality of your life. But let's just start with this one. What are some modern gods? You know, we, we know when the original verse was written, it was talking about the Baals. It was talking about the Ashtaroths. It was talking about the, the, the eventually here in a minute, we, we may get to it. It's talking about the, um, it was talking about the false gods of the Canaanites. We understand that. But in this modern world, can I just tell you a few of the gods that we struggle with? I think I see this. First one would be this. It's political ideology. Political ideology. I think the most, I think the thing that grabbed me the most uh, here recently, I was watching a, an interview with a, a reporter. She had gone to Rutgers University. And while she was there, she'd gone out to talk to students on campus about uh, gun control, about taxes, uh, about conservative things. She was a conservative reporter, okay? And she got there, and she found a space that was quiet, and it was a circular wall that had been built around this small little area, about the size of this half of this room probably, and there were some placards along the side. And she's, she's in there, and, and all of a sudden she's talking to a group of people, and they're having a conversation about different views on gun control and, and all of that, and it's going fine. And then all of a, But all of a sudden another group shows up and realizes that she, what she's doing, and they become... They become angry and they become in her face and, and, and they begin to tell her to leave. You've got to get out of here. You can't stay here. You have no business here. You have no right here and begin to run her off. And 
she's a short little young lady, and she says, you know what, I don't really take being bullied well. I'm going to stay. And uh, eventually they called the police on her. Ironically, they ended up with three or four officers there um, talking with her and, and trying to determine what to do. But here's what caught my eye. There was one girl that showed up that was in the middle of all this, and she's got her computer in one hand, and she's got her phone in the other, and, and she gets into what almost becomes a, tr- a chant, a mantra, and, and she's talking to nobody. I mean, she's talking to her phone, so it's probably Facebook Live or Instagram Live or something. But this is what she's saying. This is a safe space. This is a space that is, is here for the, the, the remembrance of, and she names the name. It was some, actually some communist... Um, individual that Rutgers had built this to that was all about peace for all people or some such thing. That was the, the, the idea behind it. And, and that's aside from the story. But here's what caught my eye. As she was talking, I began to watch her, and this is what she did. She, she, she walked, and she, and she almost fell into a chant saying the same thing over and over and over and over. And I'm thinking, that's creepy. That's almost, that's almost like a, a religious thing. And I watch about halfway through this. It was, I don't know, I think it was four or five minutes long, this, this, this clip. And I'm watching her do this, and all of a sudden she starts to say this. This is a sacred space. This is a sacred space. This is a space in the remembrance of so-and-so's name. And I'm thinking, she doesn't realize it, but she has elevated political ideology to the level of her God. We have to be careful that we don't allow political ideology and, 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 to be elevated to the place where it becomes in opposition of our relationship with God. There's a country song out. I have, it's actually been out for a while now. And this isn't necessarily me beating up country. It's just a song that I've heard. That it, and if I have the message wrong, somebody can correct me later. But it, in this song, the, the, the person, and I don't even know who does it. I, I, I could have looked it up. I didn't. But what caught my eye the first time I ever heard the song was, it goes like this. You are holy, holy, holy. I can't stop loving you. Are you familiar with that? That isn't a trick question. And I'm thinking to myself, have we come to the place in America where we've now elevated love, romance, to the place of being holy? You're holy. Holy. Talking about the girl, the woman in the song. You're holy. I can't stop loving you. I don't have any problem with romantic songs. I, you know, if you like the whole... uh, what, what, what's, the, uh, what's the channel I just mentioned a minute ago? Just had a, if you like Hallmark, you probably like romantic songs. That's okay. But, but I'm going to tell you, are we, elevating, are we elevating love and romance to the level of holy? So, Pastor Barry, what's your point? My point is this. I want you to look this morning at your life, and I want you to simply ask, God, is there anything in my life that is in opposition to you that are, or that is before you? Let me, let me say something this morning. Please don't uh, get angry with me. Please hear me out on all of this, okay? Let me, let me, let me, let me talk about the uh, national anthem for a minute. Can I do that? Let me just tell you, let me start with this. Let me tell you where I, I stand on the whole national anthem debate. Um, I was raised, and I raised my kids that it, when the national anthem plays and the flag is displayed, you stand, and you either put your hand over your heart or you stand, but you stand in respect. To this day, regardless of who chooses to kneel, I will stand. Okay, so understand where I'm coming with what I'm about to say. 
We've got a group of people in America today that think it's appropriate and have made the choice, and I've, I have actually taken the time to listen to their argument and listen to their reasoning, that they choose to take a knee when the national anthem is played. And you all know this. I mean, it's not like nobody's living in that much of a cave, right? I can't hardly watch sports anymore because of the politicization of so much of what goes on there. But to be fair, I was not really watching a lot of sports to begin with. So I don't know that that's really going to hurt the NBA or the NFL, okay? But I, I, I just, where I had a little interest, I got a whole lot less now. Now, those that choose to take a knee for the national anthem that say, I'm taking the knee because I want to make a statement, there, there, there needs to be social justice, racial justice um, within America. Here, here's, here's the thing. Okay, I'm fine with that. Not the knee part, but I'm okay with the idea that there... Is there anybody here that would have a problem with racial justice, social justice in America? I'm not. I mean, that's pretty biblical, right? Pretty biblical. And their idea is, I'm going to take a knee, and I'm going to make a statement, and here's my thought, okay? If that's your cause, and you show me a situation that's truly racial injustice, or just injustice, I don't even care what the race is, it's just injustice... I'm willing to stand with you as a Christian because Christianity informs who I am. But if that's your goal and that's what you're trying to accomplish, choosing to take a knee during the national anthem seems like a really poor way to get your cause out there. Here's here's my thinking on it, and and some people may disagree, but um, people are incredibly creative. Find a better way. Find a way that doesn't doesn't disrespect my dad who fought in Korea. Find a way that doesn't disrespect friends who fought in Vietnam. Find a way that doesn't disrespect those that fought, my my father-in-law who fought in World War II. I mean, I'm okay with your message. I'm okay for social justice. I'll stand with you on that. But find a way to get your message out there that doesn't disrespect my country. Right? So having said all that, and honestly believing that, I want to say this to you. We as Christians, and we, we as, as generally conservative, have got to be very careful ourselves that we don't let our political views rise to the level of religion. I love our country. I respect, appreciate the national anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance, but they are not sacred in the sense that God is sacred. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm going to end with this this thought this morning. Have no other gods before me. We need to be careful that we don't let our political ideology, our political views, our social views, rise to the level of God in our lives. Here's the, the way I will say it, okay? As a Christian, I do the very best I can to let my Christianity inform my politics not let my politics inform my Christianity. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? I let my Christianity, I let my understanding of the Word of God inform my political views. I don't let, I try not to, and and it's hard, but I try not to let my political views, because I have them, I try not to let my political views inform what I believe about the Bible and God and how I live my life in a way that honors Him. Right? Say, Pastor Barry, why are you preaching this now? 
turn on the TV. It's insane, the stuff going on in our nation. It's crazy. And it's 1030. And I love to preach another half an hour, although I'm pretty sure you all wouldn't want to sit for another half an hour. But I'm going to finish this message. There's three more commandments I want to talk about. You know, it's always easy to demonize those on the other side of an issue. Let's not do that. Let's approach everything we do looking through the lens of God's Word and a God that has a lot of grace and a lot of mercy and a lot of patience for us. Let's not be the ones that refuse to have a conversation. There's plenty of them out there that do. That little clip I was watching was a perfect example of that. Let's not, let's not let our political ideology rise to the level of a God in our lives. Let's be very careful with that. Whether you watch CNN or you watch Fox News or you're like me and you try to watch them both till you can't take it anymore. Sometimes I just have to take a rest. I just can't take any more politics. Let, let's be willing to have the conversation and let our understanding of the Word of God guide us. Why don't you all stand to your feet? We're living at a very, very... Okay. Listen, I I hope you all know me. I I really do try not to be a drama person. I'm not about drama. I try not to be the, hey, the sky is falling. So understand where this is coming from, but, but let me just say this. We're living at a very, in my opinion... This is my opinion, okay? This is not word. This is my opinion. We're living at a very dangerous time right now in America. For 240 years, there has been a transition of power from one leader to the next without a problem, regardless of whether it was the same party or the next party. But we're living in a place right now where I watch... I'm going to get political for a second because I wasn't earlier. We've got, we're living in a place right now. I watch our president... He has set things up to where if, if this election goes for the other side, he has set things up that he can say it was stolen because of mail-in ballots. And I watched the other side, I watched the Democratic side say, they, they have set the stage that if he wins this election, they can say he won the election because of the interference of Russia and, and the abuse of power there. Now listen, I have opinions about who's making it up and who isn't, and who's right and who isn't. That's not my point. My point is we've got two sides that have set the stage that regardless of who wins this election, the other side is going to be on the edge of and perhaps slipping into violence in the street because, you know, we've never seen violence in the street. Right? And an unwillingness to accept an election... And you say, Pastor Bray, my point is simply this. Christian, let your ideology, let your political choices, let your votes be directed by your Christianity, not the other way around, and pray for your nation. Because if we hit a place in November where there is no, where there is not a consensus and people are willing to say this person or that person is the President of the United States, we may look at, be looking at a situation into January when the new President has to be seated to where we have nobody to put in that place because it's still trying to be figured out. 
And my understanding of the Constitution is if that happens, I think Nancy Pelosi becomes president for the time being. Pray for your nation. Pray for your nation. Father, we love you. I pray this morning, God, as I've preached and talked about the commandments and God, this covenant, that, Lord, something of what I've you've had me share, what I've shared this morning, will speak to hearts. God, we pray for our nation. We pray, God, for our nation. We pray over it. We pray over our leadership in the House and the, the Senate and our, our, over the presidency. We pray over both of these political parties and those that are simply have made their ideology their God. We, Lord, you're, that's not our God. You're our God, and we depend upon you. And we call upon you this morning, and we ask you, Lord, to help us to walk with wisdom, help us to walk with understanding, help us to walk with love and patience and peace. Help us to hear your voice. And God, will you heal our nation, heal our land, and bring us back to a place of righteousness. Lord, we want the blessings of God, not not only upon our individual selves, but upon our country. And we ask you, Lord, that you will do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for giving me an extra few minutes there. God bless. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.